All right, how we feel, Go Church? You feel good today? You're here. It's 4th of July weekend, and you're in the room. Like, way to go, guys. You made it. You get extra points today for not being at the beach. That means you're a real one for that. But for everyone that is at the beach, let me look at the cameras and talk to you. We still love you, okay? We're a little salty, but that's okay. Because we know you'll see, we'll see you here next week. But genuinely, everyone that tunes in online, you're a part of this family. We love you so much. Germantown, Maryland campus, we love you so much. You're our people, man. Love you guys, miss you guys. Our west side campus on the west side of Atlanta, you are loved. You're a part of this church family. And so South Metro, can we just welcome everyone that's tuning in online right now? So good to have so many campuses and be able to see God move all over the place. And uh, listen, I'm going to pause before we give honor to all of the brave military men and women. I want to do that on the back end of acknowledging what this weekend is. It's more than a day off. Uh, It's more than just a time to get together. And so I want to challenge you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want to challenge you just to recognize what 4th of July, what Independence Day really is. I mean, really revolutionary at the time that people just wanted to live free to be able to live and and pursue their dreams and all of those things, that's a big deal. And it cost a lot of people their lives. So I wanna recognize it and and we need to celebrate it. I wanna challenge you to celebrate it today, all right? Eat some watermelon, you deserve it, okay? Like there's not much left. We've been buying most of it right now. I I love me some watermelon, but grill some steaks, eat some watermelon, watch some fireworks, celebrate this weekend. But I wanna challenge you to go a step further and in my prayer time, the Lord showed me this is, you've got this freedom, so leverage it. Uh, What are you doing to leverage the freedom that God's given you uh, in this nation? Uh, I I really feel like we might might be held accountable one day for the way that we leverage the freedom that we just got born into. And I just, I just, I don't, I don't want to undermine that. The Bible tells us that we've been set free for freedom. That is for freedom that he has set us free. So you've been set free so that you can deliver freedom to other people. And it's the kind of freedom that no government can give or take away. And so as we celebrate Independence Day, I want to recognize all of those who fight to continue to ensure that we get to live free here in America and recognize them. So if you have served, I want you to stay seated. And everyone else in this auditorium, can we stand on our feet and honor those that have protected and defended and given us our freedom here in America? We celebrate you. We get to celebrate and be free because you paid it all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for serving. Genuinely, it is great to be. I even wore my red, white, and blue socks today. You can't probably can't even see that, but America, you know, I mean, this is what I do right now. I love it. Uh, It is going to be a fantastic weekend, and uh, I'm going to continue our summer school series. Uh, My name is David. I serve as an associate pastor here at Go Church, and uh, preaching is, is always fun, and I'm always honored to do it. And we're going to continue. We're going to look at Proverbs. I'm going to stay in chapter 4 today. And uh, before I start reading, I want to give you a little bit of context, what we're about to dive into. Uh, this is Solomon. So if you grew up in church, uh, you kind of know a little bit about King Solomon. He was, uh, well, he was the king of Israel for a season. And he had an opportunity. God said, what do you want? And he didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for anything. Else. He asked for wisdom. And so he's actually outside of Jesus. He's the wisest person in human history. And so he wrote these Proverbs, most of the Proverbs you see in the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon. But in chapter 4, he's actually writing specifically to his son. 
So this is a, a father to son letter where he's saying, look, son, I'm begging you, please listen to this. Listen to my words. Listen to my teachings here because this is going to help you in life. And even at the beginning of this chapter, uh, if you read the whole chapter, you'll see he's pulling from what his father told him. And his father was King David. So he, he did that whole thing that every dad does, right? That whole, all right, son, now when I was a boy, right, my father sat me down and, you know, it, every, everything was always harder back then, right? Yeah, we got beat really bad, you know, it was a life uphill both ways, going to school. And he's telling him, hey, this is what my dad taught me, and now I want to teach it to you. So I want you to listen. I want you to pay close attention. And maybe if you're a parent, you can understand the heart of a parent writing to their child. That's the tone of this letter, this please get this. Please stick to this. So Proverbs chapter 4, I want to read all the passages we'll dissect and then we'll, we'll pick it apart in a minute. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son... Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. This is the, the guiding verse for today, okay? And this is what he tells his son. I, I feel like maybe he knows that his son struggles like me with a little bit of ADHD. So he's like, hey, listen, I know you've already stopped listening, so, so tune back in here. Because if you don't remember anything else, you've got to remember this. Above all else... Guard your heart for everything you do, everything you think, everything you say flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk, corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways and do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Look, when it says don't turn to the right or to the left, I almost started preaching about politics, okay? I almost said don't put too much hope in those political parties that we love so much. But I didn't think you would like be with me the whole time on 4th of July weekend, so I, I ain't going to go there. But it is wise wisdom here. And so uh, I, I want to do this before I jump into any message today. I'd love for you to pray for me, and I'll pray for you because uh, we're going to hear from the Lord today. And I, I'm really excited about what he's going to show us today. So pray for me as I pray for you. God, uh, I, just, I genuinely just want to preach your word. Like, honestly, God, if there's anything in me that, that wants any sort of glory or credit or affirmation uh, for this, God, I just pray that you would crucify that right now. I don't want to do anything that's about me. God, I want to bring you glory. You get all the recognition. And I pray for every ear in this auditorium, God, that you would unlock it, that the enemy would try to snatch this before they receive it. But I pray that your word, not my words, that your word would dive in so deep into their heart that everything they do would flow from that, that they would operate out of the overflow of the wisdom and the love that you give. Be with us today. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, last week, Pastor JC gave you just that mind-blowing revelation. And if you were here last week, you remember, right? It was just, and he told you, you don't know what you don't know, right? And I know, I know some of you are, like, you're picking up your brain just off the floor, just the pieces, because just, I mean, wow, that was just revolutionary to you. And today, I'm going to give you pretty much the, the same type of, like, obvious things that it's not super mind-blowing, but, like, we forget it, 
And, and I want to not just tell you something mind-blowing. I want to show you through a very cheesy illustration, okay? So I, I don't know how well this, this thing's going to land or not, but, but just go with me here, okay? Because I'm a visual person. I want to see it so that I can understand it better. And so what we have right here are two cups. And these two cups represent two different people. And when they're standing upright... These cups look almost identical. They're on the same table. They're in the same environment. Everything is the exact same. But how many of you know life doesn't always keep you standing up on your feet, right? So here we go. Life's going to start getting hard. Oh, no. What's going to happen? Boom. Life knocks us off our feet. And then out comes a bunch of trash. Oh, no. Why has this happened, right? Like how, how could this have happened? Why did the trash come out. And I'll tell you what the answer is not. It's not because it got knocked over, okay? And I'll get to the answer in a second. So then there's another cup, the exact same cup on the exact same table. And this person's about to go through the exact same thing, and they're going to get knocked off their feet too. So what's going to happen? Oh no, life hits. Boom. Oh my goodness. Candy. Candy is coming out. Oh my gosh, it's 4th of July. There's candy everywhere. It's amazing. The same exact trauma happened to both of these cups. And one cup spilled out a bunch of trash, and the other cup spilled out a bunch of candy. So the question is this, why did this cup spill out trash? And I know what so many people want to say. So many people want to say, because you knocked it over. But that's not the reason that trash fell out. Here's the mind-blowing revelation, okay? Trash fell out of that cup because I put it in there, okay? Revolutionary. I know. You aren't ready for that. Trash came out because I put trash in it. And then candy came out because I put candy in it. And when life knocked down each of these cups, something came out and something came out and they were two different things even though they had the exact same circumstances. Because of what was put in them, that determined what came out. And here's what we're going to learn about wisdom today. Wise people guard what gets in their heart and then they grade what comes out of their heart. See, wise people don't just bottle everything up and hope that it never surfaces, right? That's what some of you do, and I love you, and I do this sometimes as well. But so many people, you fill your life with so much challenging stuff, and then you just hope that it never comes out, right? Someone cuts you off in traffic, you do your best, because you know you got the Go Church bumper sticker on the back, you're doing your best not to tell them they're number one, right? You're, you're trying so hard, and you're filtering it, right? But how exhausting is that? to constantly have to filter what's about to come out or you've got so much bitterness in your mind and, and it's in your heart and you're just so angry all the time and every time you talk, it's just depression and it's bringing everybody down because of how bitter you really are. So what we put in, wise people guard what gets in their heart and then when life does knock them over, they grade what comes out, okay? So what wise people do is they take accountability and ownership for what comes out, okay? So let me make it a little more personal. We're not gonna blame God anymore, okay? We're not gonna blame God. Oh man, I love you, I love you. But who do you think you are, honestly? Like what in the world does God possibly owe you? I mean, I, I just, oh my goodness. It ain't God's fault. And then I wanna go a step further. It ain't other people's fault either. 
And listen, I'm not saying that those people that knocked you over didn't do something unjust and corrupt and evil. But you can't take responsibility for their actions, so you've got to stop passing the responsibility on to them because you're going to stay empty and you're going to stay filled with trash for the rest of your life. It's not other people's fault. For these two people, one had trash come out, one had candy come out. It's not the person's fault. Quit blaming other people. I know that he hurt you. I know that she messed it up. I know that you didn't get dealt a good hand, but I am telling you, it's not the circumstances of life that we need to blame it on. We are responsible for what we put into our heart and we need to grade what comes out and I'm going to say okay if I spit forth trash from my mouth or if the the directions I'm walking or if the thoughts that I'm thinking are filled with trash I'm not going to blame anyone else but myself clearly what's coming out is based on what I have put in we're going to take ownership because if this bible verse that we just read is true if everything we think say and do flows from our heart we need to guard our heart And so how are we going to guard our heart today? I want to look at three different excerpts from the passage I just read. And I think I see three things from this excerpt of ways that we can guard our heart. So here's the first one. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. So righteous people, things get clearer Every, every step they take toward righteousness, it just gets more clear and more clear. It's like the morning sun, things are getting easier and easier to see. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't even know what makes them stumble. They don't even know. They're stumbling in the dark, and they don't even know why. So let me give you an illustration from my life, okay? I've been married. October will be three years, and it is awesome. You know, my wife, she's, she's right there. Her name's Esther. She's just She's a great person, okay, genuinely. She deals with me, and, and I'm, I'm a lot, okay. Uh, she is pretty much flawless except for this one thing that she does. Um, yeah, so she keeps our house spotless clean, okay, spotless. I mean, Lysol wipes everywhere. She even wipes the dog's feet, like, with, like, these antibacterial wipes because we don't, I have to take my shoes off. Like, she keeps the house spotless, There is one thing she does, people, that caused me physical damage, Uh, and and it is this. She does not close cabinets and drawers when she opens them. The house is spotless, but we got cabinets open. It's pandemonium in the Waldrop house. There's cabinets everywhere, and I have a disorder. And when I see a cabinet even open just a little bit, it bothers me. Well, I have another challenge, and I don't know why, and this is way TMI. But I'm only 31 years old, and I don't know why this always happens to me, but I have to go to the bathroom every single night. And this is just becoming a problem for me. And so I want to keep it dark in the room, so I don't want to turn any lights on. So I'm on my way to the restroom one day, and what strikes me in the shin, but an open cabinet. And I hit this cabinet, and I was like, oh, gosh. And then she's like violently rustling around, like, why are you waking me up? Because, fellas, I'm going to, you know, don't, you don't want let them get that rest. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to, like, wake her up or nothing. So I'm, like, trying to quietly, anything that hits you in the shin, it hurts. You know what I'm saying, right? So, uh, so the next morning, I'm like, woman, <laughs> you better start closing these drawers. And I won't even finish that story. I lost that, that battle. <laughs> and I, I tell you that, I mean, it's just a silly story to tell you a point is uh, something that's a little more sobering. And that is, man, when you're walking around in the dark, There's some dangerous stuff that you can't see. 
Like, if I would have just turned on the light, if I wasn't scared of my wife, right, if I would have just turned the light on, then I would have been able to see, I would have closed the cabinet, and then I would have turned the light back off. But instead, I chose to walk in the darkness, and it hurt me. And I think that there are so many of you that, like this says, your, your life keeps on falling apart over and over and over again, and you don't know why. And it's because you're walking around in darkness. If you've ever said something like this, how did I get here? Like, I never, th- I never thought I'd do this. Like, this was the thing I said I would never do. And here I am. How did my life, when did it get this bad? Or why do I keep tripping over the same sin over and over and over again? I want to just beat this so bad. Why can't I have freedom? Why do I keep messing this up? Why do I keep chasing away everyone that tries to love me? Where did my joy go? Why, I used to be such a happy person. Why am I so angry all the time? Why does it make me so mad that my coworker keeps clicking their pen? It shouldn't bother me that bad, right? Why, when did life get this bad? When did it get so difficult? Why am I staying stuck? And this passage tells us that when you allow darkness into your heart, you're gonna stay hurt, you're gonna stay confused, and you're gonna stay filled with pain and regret because that's what lives in the darkness, and you're gonna stumble, and you don't even know why. So how do we guard our heart from darkness? And it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. We need the light of wisdom. That's the first thing we need to guard our heart. We need the light of wisdom. Your heart and my heart is a very dark emotional place at times right? Emotions can set in and it can really darken our heart. Think of it like this. If, if the light of wisdom is like a clear day, your emotions come in and your emotions are like clouds on a nice day. And then all of a sudden, even though the sun is shining just as bright as it used to, there's now clouds covering up that sunshine. And when it's cloudy and you can't see clearly in your mind, you make these mistakes, right? You're confused. You can't see clearly. That's why you're so good at fixing everyone else's problems, right? Like, it's so easy to see, oh, yeah, you're just, you're, you know, you're just not that smart, right? You just got to do this instead, right? You should just do this. The, it's glaringly obvious what you should be doing, and it's because you're not feeling the emotions that they're feeling in that moment. You're seeing their situation clearly because you have a different perspective, but their hearts are filled with these emotions that cloud their judgment. And so what do we need to do about that? Well, We need to try to get as much clarity as we possibly can so we can see through our emotions so that we can stop clearing it out so much or so that we can start clearing it out. So where do we get this light? And this is one thing I want you to know about light. The content you consume will determine the clarity of your thoughts, okay? The content you consume, movies, podcasts, TV shows, Uh, the people you listen to, and we'll talk about that in a second. The content that you take in is going to determine how dark or how light your thoughts really are. And I'm telling you this right now, maybe the problem is you have lived in a lot of confusion is because you keep darkening your mind with the gray areas, right? You love those gray areas, and I love those gray areas sometimes. The whole, well, I mean, the Bible doesn't technically say that I can't do this, right? I mean, how far can I go before we get married, right? Like, there's like gotta be a little bit of a gray area right there, right? Like, where is the gray? And you look for the gray area constantly, and what's happening? The gray area is blinding you. 
and you're so confused, and you don't even know why you're stumbling. It's because you're living in the gray area. When God says, no, I've called you into my marvelous light, why do you keep stepping towards that gray area? And I'll tell you this, because I, I know I'm saying a lot of you have this, so let me tell you some of my stuff. That way you can feel better about yourself, right? So I've had two different seasons in my life where I had just some really dark thoughts, like really dark. And I, I was like, man, this isn't me. Like, this is not, I refuse to be defined by this. This is not who I am. What's going on? And on both occasions, I had to trace it to a TV show that I was latching on to in that season. And I'll even tell you what they were, because if you're watching these, you need to stop. Because I'm telling you, I know, it's affecting you. And if you don't think so, ask the people closest to you, and they'll be like, no, nah, you're, you're messed up. <laughs> you're messed up. The first time was a couple of years ago. I was watching this show uh, because I love Batman. Like, he's my favorite superhero because he don't need superpowers. He just needs a utility belt. Come on. And he, I just think he's awesome. Like, I feel like I could fight crime if I had the right belt. And so, uh, but that's, I love Batman. But there's this show called Gotham, and it's basically the origin stories of all the villains of Batman. And I'm telling you, I loved this show. But it started affecting me. Like, I had some really dark thoughts. And it's because around season three, this show started getting weird, yo. And I don't know if anyone's ever seen it. Don't raise your hand. Everyone's going to judge you for it, okay? So let, let, me get the, let me get the rocks thrown at me, okay? But I'm telling you, this show got weird, man. And I was like, why? Why is it so dark? Why are DC Comics so dark, man? I, I leave, and I'm like, oh, I need a shower or something. Like, I just want to, like, clean out my soul. And I had to stop because I had some dark thoughts coming into my head. And then just recently, a show that I had to give up on, and I'm so bummed, and I'm calling you out, and I'm coming for you, because I had to stop watching Stranger Things, okay? And I love that show. And everyone under the age of 20 is really upset right now. But let me tell you something. Uh, those first three seasons of that show were perfectly fine in my, in, in my book, right? I, it was just a sci-fi, another dimension. It was cool. And then something happened around season four, and, it, and if you know, you know, all right? So if you're judging me right now, it's only because you saw. But that first episode, I was like, what? Is, that took a turn. Man, things got weird really quick. And I'm, I'm, I'm using these kind of illustrations to show you, look, the things that you put in, the things that you take in are going to consume your thoughts. That darkness in your heart is going to consume the way that you think. And you need to stop messing around with all this stuff. There's this um, illustration that I heard from this preacher one time. He was talking about this specific type of lizard that lives in Southwest America. And this type of lizard has two hunting strategies. The first strategy is that when its prey walks by, it puffs its chest up really big to, sh to pretend that it's bigger than it actually is so that the prey gets really, really scared and almost paralyzed by fear. But this lizard has another type of strategy what it will do is it will actually play dead. And so as the prey is walking by, it thinks it's perfectly safe, there's no danger around, and then all of a sudden the lizard leaps at it and grabs it and, and devours that prey. And I'm telling you that analogy to tell you this, that that is exactly the tactic of the enemy when it comes to darkness. I, and I know I sound so old school, but listen, you need to let this in. Let your walls down for a second and let this in. Quit messing around with that stuff. I'm serious. Quit messing around with those exorcism movies. Quit messing around with that demonic stuff. That's going to get in. That gets in the heart, and then it gets in your head, and you don't even know why. And it's, it's clouding your thought. Quit messing around with witchcraft. Quit being so obsessed with horoscopes. Your identity does not come from the positioning of the stars. Your identity comes because Jesus said, you are valuable. You're my child. Quit messing around with that stuff because it's going to mess you up. Okay. 
I promise I'm not on a high horse. I'm just saying that darkness you put in, it's going to control the clarity of your thoughts. So move past that. So we're going to guard our heart from darkness. And then let's look at another passage from this excerpt uh, to see how else we can guard our heart. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Okay, so what he's saying is this. You need to not only guard your heart from darkness, you need to guard your heart from the wrong words. Okay, so what do we need to protect our heart? We need the words of wisdom. Okay, and and different than darkness, we can't eliminate words from our heart. We can drive out darkness, but your heart's always going to be thinking and meditating on something. Okay, so what I'm not saying is we need to eliminate all the words in our heart and have an empty heart, because that's not even possible. You're going to think about something. You're going to meditate on something. What I'm suggesting to you is this. Put a filter on what words and what voices actually make it into your heart so that what comes out is not corruption and perversion. You can't escape it. Look, we live in the world, okay? Don't be like an ostrich and just try to bury your head in the sand and think about the good old days when no one used bad language. And listen, it's around, okay? It's always been around. You're gonna hear bad voices. You're gonna hear foolishness. You're gonna hear athletes that think they know what they're talking about because they're good at sports, but they have no idea. You're gonna hear a bunch of nonsense. You're gonna hear people that are keyboard warriors that think they got it all figured out, but they'd never say that to your face. You're gonna hear all of that stuff. You can't control it. But what you can control is what gets in and what you allow inside your heart. So what I'm challenging you to do is put the filter not on what makes it from your heart to your mouth. Put the filter on what even makes it into your heart to begin with, right? To recognize what's trash versus what's treasure before it even gets in. We're not going to let any trash get into our hearts. If you're learning, uh, well, actually, I need to show you this principle really quick. The people you listen to will determine the purity of your speech, okay? So the voices that are around you, I'm telling you, the people that you choose to listen to, not the voices you hear, but the ones you actually listen and pay attention to, they are going to determine the purity of your speech every single time. So if you're, if you're like me and you're trying to learn a new language, uh, my wife's family, their first language is Spanish, and I'm trying my best. I'm getting pretty good at understanding it. They can't talk trash in front of me now because I know what they're saying. But I, I like... I want to learn Spanish. The best thing you can do is get around people that speak Spanish really, really well, that aren't afraid to tell you, hey, you mispronounced that, and that they'll help you along the way. They'll teach you things. And it's the same thing with wisdom. If you want to have a wise heart, if you want to speak words of wisdom, speaking intelligible words, you need to surround yourself with people that are wise. Then you'll allow their wise words to get in and to change you. But We live in a culture where people don't always listen to wise words. And so what I'm about to do is I'm going to tap this screen right here, and it's going to show up 10 reasons why people don't listen to wise words. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to think of that one person that you really wish was here right now because you think that they're not so wise. And you're going to know which ones, but don't do that because this is for you, okay? So find which one of these, you're on here somewhere, you're on this list, so let's look at it here. Why don't people let wise words in? Why don't they listen to them? Number one, they don't know any wise people, right? Ain't no wise words getting in because everyone you're running with ain't very bright, okay? I just, I, like, you got to think about that. If you're the smartest person in your group of friends, you need another group of friends. And I know it makes you feel good and you feel like your ego's getting boosted, but guess what? You're rolling around with a bunch of dum-dums, okay? You're not going to learn anything new from them, okay? So you need some wise people in your life. 
The second reason why people don't listen to wise words is they question the credibility of the wise person. Well, who are you to tell me how I'm supposed to live my life when you have blah, 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 blah. Look, if someone showed up at your doorstep, dressed all slovenly, using filthy language, was really rude, but they had a suitcase with $100,000 in there, and they were like, here, you know, you want it or not, I don't care what they look like. Give me the money, all right? Show me that money. I don't care what the, the deliverer is. I want what is being delivered. There is wisdom that comes, even if you do question the credibility of those people. I'm not telling you to ruminate on what haters say, but what I am saying is sometimes haters are the only ones willing to tell you that truth that you really need to hear, okay? So just scarcely consider that your haters might be getting some things in that you should really be thinking about that the people who love you don't love you enough to tell you the truth. All right, but that's, you can ruminate on that one later. Listen to that on repeat. Number three, they assume they are already wise, right? You can't even grow anymore. I mean, you know everything. I just, I mean, I'm just, I just can't, I'm dumbfounded being in your presence. I'm like, wow, you got it all figured out. If the world would just listen to you, right? Come on. The moment you think you've got it all figured out, you don't. You have not arrived, okay? The smartest people are the ones that ask questions, not talk a lot, which is something I'm trying to learn because I talk a lot. So I'm a work in progress, guys. Number four, they have too many conflicting voices in their lives, right? There's too many voices saying, you should do this, but you should do this, right? The early bird gets the worm, but he who hesitates is lost. And it's like, oh, I don't know what to do, right? And it's just, or good things come to those who wait. Like, it's like, these, I don't, ha, ah, what do I do? And you make the wrong decision because you just have so many voices coming in. Maybe it's time to shrink those down a little bit and listen to the wise people. Number five, they have scars from the last time they took bad advice, Right? They took bad advice, and so they're like, you know what? Last time I listened to someone ruined my life, I'm just not even going to listen anymore. I'm just going to do me. Number six, they prioritize what feels better in the moment, right? So I know that, I, I know that it's wise to, to save up my money so that I can retire at age 65, but what feels good is if I owned a boat at age 31, right? So if I could just own a boat now, and you undermine what you want the most for what you want now, and you're missing it because of what feels good in the moment, you abandon wisdom, Another one is this, number seven, you stop meditating on wise words and you eventually forget, right? You just stop thinking about wisdom and you forget about it. Number eight, they don't know the difference. Oh, Gen Z, I'm coming for you here. Okay, I'll, I promise I'll spread the, the shade around to all generations, but Gen Z, listen, you got to know the difference between what's true versus what's clever, okay? So just because it rhymes and everything starts with the same letter and it's got a cute little background on Instagram doesn't make it true. I have seen some nonsense get posted where I'm like, what? That is not true at all. But it looked really clever and it sounded great. That doesn't make it true. We want what's true, not what's clever and quotable. Number nine, it's easier to be a victim or to blame others than it is to be wise, because being wise takes work. But when you want to be a victim, it's so easy to just blame everyone else for your lack of insight and knowledge. And you want to stay stuck and you'd rather blame people than actually apply wisdom because you're lazy. Okay, but I love you. Number 10, they are looking for approval. Oh boy. They are looking for approval of what they already do rather than accountability to help them grow wise. In other words, you're only asking your friends, well, what did you think about that? How, how did I do? You're only asking them that 
that because you're looking for affirmation of what you already are wanting to do. And if they don't tell you what you want to hear, you're going to go to someone else who will. And you're going to say that those people are crazy. Look, we need this accountability. We need wisdom. So fill your heart with the light of wisdom. Fill your heart with words of wisdom. You want wise people speaking in to your life. Let's keep reading here. Verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Right? So if you want, here's something, again, mind-blowing, right? If you want to end up in a not evil place, you need to walk in a not evil direction. Okay? Like, just throwing that out there. Like, that is... That is what the wisdom is that we need, and that's the third way to guard your heart from this passage. You need the light of wisdom, you need the words of wisdoms, and you need the ways of wisdom. I'm reading this book right now, and if you're a business leader, a manager in the business world, you, you should definitely read this book. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, it's a New York Times bestseller for like years and years. It's been around for, for a couple decades now. A lot of wisdom in it. And this author says that the second habit that highly effective people have is that they always begin with the end in mind. Okay, so the first thing they do, they don't actually take a step. They don't launch that business. They don't make that new initiative. They don't try to start that family until they say, okay, wait, where are we trying to go with this? Like, where, where are we taking this? I wanna, before I begin, I want to know where am I trying to go? Because if I know where I want to end up, then I'm going to plot my course to make sure that I actually end up there. And so for effective people, it's not that they've escaped the challenges of life, but they have stayed locked in, laser focused on exactly where they want to go. And the world throws distractions at them. What about this? What about that? But guess what? It doesn't work. And they stay effective because they know where they're going and their focus is beaming in on exactly where they want to get. And this is what we know to be true, right? You already know this. The direction of your focus will determine the destination of your future. Okay, so if I, wanted, if I know that I want to walk towards this table right now, and then all of a sudden I start turning my focus, I'm going to start going the other direction here. I'm looking this way now, and I'm going to start leaving this table behind. And right now, it doesn't feel far away, even though I'm facing this direction. But over time, the more steps I take this way, the bigger the gap is created. And then eventually I'm going to be like, wait, where was I even trying to go? Like, what am I even doing? Where's that table? Oh my gosh, it's all the way over here. Right, the thing that you're focused on is the direction that you're is the destination that you're going to land in. So think about this: What do you want? Okay, ladies, if you want to marry a man that's going to lead you in the ways of the Lord, you need to focus on the Lord. Okay, but if you shift your focus towards the Tinder app, okay, you're going to start walking this way. Let me tell you, he ain't on there. I promise you. I I, I know. Just trust me. Okay, he ain't there. Quit going to the wrong place. Look, keep focused. What do I want the most? Okay, if you, want, if you have some financial go- goals, stay focused on those goals. Quit turning your attention to the latest and greatest technology that they're going to update in a year and it's going to be irrelevant to begin with. You're walking this way and you're missing out on your goals. Come on, this is, it's elementary. But we forget about this stuff. We need this reminder. And most importantly, we need to walk in the ways of wisdom. Guys, the ways of wisdom is God's ways. You need, like, there is an absolute truth. And uh, honestly, anytime I preach, and Pastor JC's done this a few times as well, I want to mention subjective morality because I don't know if there's anything plaguing our culture more than this. This whole, you define what's true for you. Guys, I, 
I, I, I honestly, I want to laugh at that. Like I do, I want to laugh at that. How can you invent your own truth? You're proving to yourself that it's false. But this is what the world wants you to know. The world wants you to believe that you create what's true. You create your own path. And you're going to be broken and devastated when you spend your whole life climbing a ladder that leads you nowhere. And you're on top of this ladder and be like, man, this is dangerous. And I have nowhere to go from here. I am telling you guys, there is an absolute truth. And here is the absolute truth. You want to hear it? There's an empty grave right now somewhere in the Middle East. I don't even know exactly where. There's a couple of places that claim to be. There's an empty grave because guess what? No one cares about that grave anymore because the guy that was in it is no longer in it. And he's up in heaven right now. Jesus rose again from that tomb. And look, if anyone says that they were going to die and rise again and then they actually do it, you just got to do what they say. It's true everything he says is just true so follow his ways follow the ways of wisdom get the words of wisdom in your heart walk in the light of wisdom get away from that darkness guard your heart from those things now look if you were if I were to stop the sermon right here what you would do is you would do your best to get rid of all the filth, right? Your, your workout playlist, you're gonna stop listening to those songs, right? You're gonna stop watching Stranger Things because I told you to, and you're gonna feel conviction next time you turn it on, right? You're gonna try to get around smart people and ask them some good questions, and you're gonna, you're gonna try to really plot out, maybe you'll make a little vision board, right? You get your little scrapbook, whatever, I don't know, whatever you wanna do, and you know where you wanna go, and you're gonna do your best and try with all your might to apply these principles, and you know what's gonna happen? It'll fail you, it'll fail you. And I'm not saying that to undermine everything I've just preached, but what I'm telling you is all, if all you have is perfect principles, you're going to fail. You know why I know that? Because the guy who wrote all of this, all of these Proverbs, he failed so miserably. King Solomon, smartest person other than Jesus to ever live, wealthiest person to ever live. When he was on the throne, he, when he was on the throne of Israel, the nation of Israel had never been bigger, never been more prosperous. He is the richest man in the history of ever. And that's just a historical fact. He had everything that everyone could ever dream of. Wisdom, money, and women. He had it all. And he had all the principles that we're learning about today. And you know what he did? He married seven, an estimated 700 women, and then he had 300 concubines. You do some simple math, that is a thousand women. And I don't even know if I could name off a thousand people. Like, I don't even know if I've ever met a thousand people before, genuinely. Like, this guy is walking around his house. He's like, hey, do I know you? Yeah, we got married about three years ago. Oh, my God. Well, it's great to meet you. I didn't, you know, like, I don't even know how you, you get there. Right, and, and I gotta take a little side note because I've built in some margin just in case I had time to tell you this. If you're in here and you're skeptical of the Christian faith because you say things like, well, the Bible promotes polygamy and misogyny and you know, the, all these men in the Bible have all these wives, why would I follow a religion like that? Let me tell you, read the Bible, read what happens. And you tell me if you think the Bible is affirming that lifestyle. Because every man throughout all of scripture that married multiple women, all of it ended in calamity. Every single time. So the Bible's not promoting polygamy, okay? Now, there are stories of people in there that are doing that. But guess what? That don't mean it's affirming it. It's actually showing hey, there's a danger here. And the danger of what Saul, uh, Solomon was doing wasn't just that he married a thousand women. It was that the women he was choosing to marry were from pagan religions. They didn't even believe in God. 
Not the same way we do. Not the, he was inviting other religions into the house of God. He was the anointed leader of, in the Old Testament, God's kingdom was on earth. It wasn't, it wasn't in heaven yet. It was on earth. He was saying, my kingdom is here, and you're leading it, and you're inviting all these other faiths into it. And what happened? Kingdom split. North Israel kingdom, South Israel kingdom, and they, were, they split, and then they were weaker because when things that were unified become disunified, over some political decisions. Come on, I'm talking about the church right now, right? So they got disunified, and what happened? Captivity. Greeks come in, Romans come in, captivity happens. Because of his poor leadership and his bad decisions, his principles alone could not save him, and his principles alone could not save the nation of Israel. Whether Solomon knew it or not, principles alone cannot save us. Now, there's something I find very interesting about chapter four. Solomon makes 11 different references to the human body in chapter 4 alone. In verse 9, he mentions a head. In verse 14, 26, and 27, he mentions feet. In verse 20, he mentions an ear. In verse 24, he mentions a mouth and lips. In verse 25, he mentions eyes. In verse 21 and 23, he mentions the heart. And in verse 22, he mentions the whole body. Okay, so it got me thinking, why is he, why is he talking about this body so much? Like, why is, he, why is he doing so many references to the human body? And I don't know if he knew this or not, but what if Solomon's greatest contribution to human history was not the perfect principles that he was teaching? What if there was actually a perfect person that was eventually going to get born into the world from his family? And that's exactly what happened. 14 generations after Solomon, Jesus of Nazareth was born in a manger in the darkness with that silent night and he was sitting there. What if, what if, and, and this is it, what if Solomon put so much of his hope on principles and that's why he failed? What if we need something bigger than that? The answer is we do. Here's what we need. We can't be saved by perfect principles. We can only be saved by a perfect person. And that perfect person, his name is Jesus. Now listen, you can apply these principles to your business, to your family, and it'll work for a season. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to gain the whole world and you're going to lose your soul. Because these principles will become a means to an end. Money will be your true God, and you'll apply these principles to get more money. Or your family will become your God, and you'll apply all these principles, and you'll build your whole life on your family, and the weight of your hopes and dreams are going to crush them. But what you need is something better than perfect principles. You need a perfect person. Here's the difference between Solomon's teachings and Jesus. Check this out. Solomon taught about the light of wisdom, but Jesus is the light of the world. And guess what happened to Jesus? On the darkest night of his life, his light shined forth. He had to experience darkness, the darkness of a tomb that we deserved. And the moment they put him in here, that grave became a garden and that garden burst forth in glorious light. He received darkness so that we could receive his light. Let's keep looking at this. Solomon taught about the words of wisdom, but guess what? Jesus is the word made flesh. So all the wisdom that Solomon was teaching about, Jesus is that word. He literally is the word of God. So if you flip all the way back to Genesis, and the moment God spoke that word, that word was Jesus. And what happened is, read John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. And what happened to him? 
on the cross, in his moment of agony, he experienced forsakenness and silence from God so that the word of God could get in. All of the affirmation that God ever gave to Jesus when he was baptized, well done, my good and faithful servant. You get to hear those words in your heart because on the cross, Jesus didn't get to hear them in that moment. He heard nothing. He received silence so that the word of God could get into your heart. We need his word. He is the word. Let's keep looking here. Solomon taught about the ways of wisdom, but guess what? Jesus is the way. He is the way. He told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Every other religious leader, every other cult leader, they say, look, don't follow me, follow my teachings, right? That's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, hey, follow my teachings. He said, follow me. I am the way. My teachings are the way. I am the way. Now, my teachings are perfect and true and apply them to your life, but you need me more than you need my teachings. We need Jesus. You know what makes Jesus so sweet? I'm telling you, come on, I'm about to preach this. This is it. This is how I close, and then I want you to accept Christ if you haven't already or if you need to come back to him. When life shakes us up, at some point, your filter is going to bust. Trash is going to come out. Life is going to shake you up. But what happened to Jesus on the cross? See, when life cuts us, it's going to cut deep enough to where at some point that trash is going to come forth. But on the cross, every single word that Jesus uttered, they cut him open, and all that came forth was scripture. You cut him open, he bleeds out scripture. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was quoting Psalms. He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalms. Everything he said on the cross, everything he said when the devil tried to tempt him in the desert, he was quoting scripture. He was the word. And every time he got shaken up, beautiful stuff came out. And that's what we have on the cross. And if we can stand under the cross, we can receive all of the blessings, all of the light, all of the words, and all of the ways of Jesus. Because he did the hard things. He blazed the way for us. He is the way. It cost him everything. It cost him everything. The path to heaven, no one could walk it. It was a narrow road. And he blazed that trail. And he said, all you gotta do is follow me. I think back to when I lived in Maryland. And it snows there. I don't know if you guys know what snow is down here in Georgia. There's this white stuff that just, we call it the devil's dandruff, right? It just, everything shuts down and all, it's just snow on the ground. But if you follow these snow trucks, then what happens is these snow trucks actually clear a path for you. And you're safe as long as you stay on the path that these snow trucks have cleared. But if you try to veer from it, your car is going to wreck. It's going to happen. A hundred percent of the time, it's going to happen. Why? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He says, look, follow me and follow me really, really closely because I have blazed the trail. And if you stay on the trail that I've blazed, I am telling you, this world will not pull you down. But if you veer even slightly, you're gonna miss it. But guess what? You can always come back in. You know the way, you know the truth. He is the life. So embrace Christ. That's what I wanna invite you to do today. If you're in here and you've never received Christ as your savior, what are you waiting for? Honestly, here's, you want to, here's my compelling reason why you should choose to follow Christ. Really simple. It's because he's real. I, I don't need to talk you into anything. He's, he's real. And if he's real, then that means he's good and he's perfect and he's loving and he's true all the time. And everything he says is true. That's why you should embrace Christ because he's real. And we'll come alongside you. We'll help you learn more about him because I'm telling you, the journey's not over when you accept Christ. It's just getting started. 
But if you need to come back to Christ today or uh, come to Christ for the very first time, this is your opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. You're in here and you would say, you know what? I need to come back. Uh, I need to come to Jesus for the first time. Today, I want to commit my life to Christ. I'm just going to invite you to slip your hands up right now. Nobody's looking but me. Come on, all across this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're in here and you would say, you know what? I've, I've strayed away. I am not following Jesus as closely as I should, and I'm experiencing the darkness. I'm experiencing the bitterness, the corruption that can come from it, and today I'm ready to get back on track, and I want to get my life back to Jesus. If that's you, and you want to recommit your life to Christ today, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right now. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down, and whether you're praying for the first time or you're coming back, it's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he is and commit your life to him. So let's pray. Come on, however proficient you are at prayer, I want you to pray right now and I'll pray over you. Father, we come before you and we thank you for grace. We thank you for the light that can guard our heart. We thank you for your words that guard our heart. We thank you for your ways that guard our heart. It's not principles, it's a person. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus, God. I pray that we would cling to Jesus tighter than we cling to any money or any person or any ideology, God. Be the Lord of our life. We turn from our wicked ways. We believe in who you say you are and we wanna follow you for the rest of our life. We pray it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen.